0: Welcome to Ardcast, Water Island Capital's podcast series, where we strive to provide investors with concise and timely insights into the world of event-driven investing. I'm your host, Jennifer Blunsworth, and joining us today is Greg Lapreet, Portfolio Manager of the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX, to talk about credit opportunities when bonds are getting you down. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Jen. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, before we jump into the episode, I just want to say – Quick congratulations as we sit here on March 12th, 2021, it looks like your one-year number is 7.42%, and so far for the year, you know, fixed income has had a really rough start, but your performance has been positive. Congratulations.
1: No, thanks. I mean, I I think it's really just a reflection of the focus that we've had and really all the refinements over the last couple of years just with our selection and with our hedging, but uh, yeah, we're off to a good start.
0: It's great to hear. You know, something that we are hearing a lot from investors right now is, I just don't know what to do with my fixed income allocation. Uh, with interest rates and inflation seems to be a big topic of conversation as well. So could you share some of your thoughts on those areas?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is a unique time, um, certainly driven by COVID over the last 12 months. Fortunately, we do have an emerging economy. Um, earnings seem to be increasing Employment's going in the right direction. We have uh, stimulus on the way with fiscal policies some packages uh, that were passed this week. Uh, and we have a, a dovish Fed. So, uh, sadly, I mean, we have unemployment and underemployment rates. They're, they are still high. The U5, which is a underemployment rate, so it includes unemployment and uh, people who are looking for work or have kind of marginal part-time employment. You know, that's currently, it's spiked up to about 16%. Uh, a year ago with covid and it's come down to 7 which is a great great progress but uh, pre covid it was at 4%. So we do we do have some room to run there but I think everything is going in the right direction. I think the big thing is you know everybody's talking about equities um having rebounded to pre covid levels and interest rates have, have recently retraced up to about 1.6% to where they were prior to covid. But uh, at the end of 2019, you know, keep in mind that rates were at 2%. And I look back, and at the end of 2018, rates were at 3%. So I think the concern in the market is, you know, are we are we going back to those levels? And so that, that really kind of sets the sets the tone for the market and then why, as you talked about, we have some challenges with uh, investing in fixed income.
0: Yeah, those are some great sort of
1: historical benchmarks to bear in mind.
0: Are there other risks present in the market? that you see right now and, and what are
1: driving those risks? I think the biggest risk, I mean, reflects what I just mentioned before, but inflation is really the, the big risk that, that people are talking about. I mean, I do focus on the bond side and, and I'd have to say that, you know, interest rates uh, where they currently are versus where they could be at year end is, is probably scaring a lot of people. One of the things uh, that we look at and, and I think, you know, bond investors generally will look at our inflation rates and, and some of that has been provided by the Federal Reserve over the last, I mean, for, for decades, they've been providing it. And really coming out of the financial crisis, they were guiding to a 2% inflation rate. Um, the fear then was deflation. And so if you look at, at uh, inflation expectations in the market, those were hovering between one5 and 2% for the better, better part of the last three or four years. And what's interesting now is if you look at those inflation rates and given some of the things that the Fed is talking about, those are still now pushing up to around 25 to 2.6% versus that one5 to 2% I talked about earlier. So I think the inflation brought about by, uh, as I said, stimulus and um, earnings and, and people getting back to work, I think is really driving that fear in the market.
0: Sure, but investors still need yield, right? So where can investors turn considering the risks that are present in today's market?
1: Traditionally, when you have a fear of rising rates, Um, Investors, they tend to shorten duration. That's really the first thing. Um, They'll go into floating rate bonds and loans. They'll purchase uh, tips, for example. Um, And some will also reach for more yield where there's there's spread. So we've seen that in high-yield bonds this year that have performed pretty well. And the lower down in credit quality you go, the less interest rate sensitivity that you have. But obviously there's danger in reaching for that. So that market is really less sensitive, I said, to interest rates than say investment grade or the Barclays AG. Now, what we do here um, with the Credit Opportunities Fund, it's another potential solution for investing in this type of market uh, where people fear rising rates. And what we do is we focus on corporate bonds, really the corporate, corporate high yield, corporate investment grade and convertibles. What we do is we really seek out investments whose returns are predicated on the timelines and outcomes of specific catalysts rather than on market direction. And so, if we do our job well, then we can still offer yield and return with with a very low correlation to rates.
0: Okay, great. So, given those factors that we just talked about, could you explain to us a little more about your fund and and how you think about investing? Sure.
1: At the start of this year when bonds were below 1%, I I really just felt that it was best to stay in some of the harder catalysts like mergers and acquisitions and refinancings because I I didn't want to be caught in a taper tantrum like selling if rates were to move up rapidly. So I've basically been conservative and just waiting for the really, I guess we'll call them juicy catalysts to come and staying staying conservative, as I said. Really what what we do um, here is we're investing in specific catalysts. So if, if I take you through uh, kind of an example. Um, the best place to start is when you when you think about merger arbitrage for those people who know merger arbitrage, or for those who don't, just thinking about a short dated bond with a near term maturity. What we do is, is we invest in situations that are triggered by these catalysts, a short term maturity or a deal where a bond may have to be refinanced well before the intended maturity date. And as long as those merger deals are completed or the company meets its maturity payment or its redemption then the investor essentially gets back their principal. They get back their investment, and then we can deploy it into new deals. So the portfolio, in a general sense, it's it's idiosyncratic um, versus the market, and it exhibits low correlation. So that's really how we approach things and how we're able to, uh, I'd call it really, be cycle agnostic and and race agnostic.
0: So investors can really think of your fund as a non-correlated solution for all market environments. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And, and the way we look at it, you know, I did mention we, we look at different catalysts. It really depends on the market cycle. Um, there's some cycles that you see a lot of mergers and acquisitions. There are other cycles where you'll see a lot of refinancings, uh, other cycles where maybe there's uh, more distress out there. You might see some debt for equity exchanges and things like that. So what I like about what we do is that there's always interesting things to look at. Um, and it's just a, it really depends on just what the market is is giving you at that time.
0: Great. I know you mentioned the taper tantrum, but are, are there any other examples that you could walk us through and, and how, you know, how you are able to generate returns in different environments?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, we do often talk about the taper tantrum just because it is the probably the big event in the last 10 years where rates suddenly went up, and I think that was the big fear this year that we had that type of environment during the taper tantrum. You know, we were actually positive during that quarter. And, and the reason for it was we just had these transactions that I talked about, merger deals that were closing and other things that were closing. And so we got paid on in our investments. They moved up in a quarter when a lot of people who were tied to the market really had to suffer some shorter term losses there. But then we've had other, other situations. Probably the best recent example is going back to a year ago when COVID hit. And that was an incredibly stressful time at the markets. And you saw equities that were down, you know, probably 30% at their peak and high yield was down 20% at its peak. Even the ag, which is generally a very, very high quality type of index, you know, that index at its peak was down uh, anywhere from 25 to 3%, so not terrible, but there was a lot of selling that was going on. For our fund, uh, we were down in the first quarter about 5%, and that was really Probably our, our biggest drawdown uh, amid all that selling, but people are really coming to us for some insulation. So if, if during periods like that we're comparing ourselves to high yield, that, that was down you know, 15 to 20 percent at its peak. Then I think we did a, a reasonably good job. But the key for that period was really holding the portfolio, making sure it was it was solid, making sure our hedges were in place. And what we did during that period is we really dug in and. We said, okay, let's make sure that the ship is staying afloat. Let's make sure that all of our, we're comfortable with all, all of our positions. We doubled down into reading the indentures and finding out where we might be at risk. Once we got through that first process and just making sure that we're comfortable with what we're holding, then it was that next question of separating out the noise and, and trying to look through everything that was going on and saying, okay, you know, this crisis, it will eventually come to an end, and so what's going to happen uh, at, the, at the tail end, or at least when we start to get those, if um, you have to use a, a 2008, 2009 uh, saying, but we were looking for those green shoots. And so we started to invest in merger deals that, that people had just thrown out the window saying, oh, this deal's not going to close for some reason, when in fact it was just selling that was going on. There was no uh, no problem with the deal getting done um, or anything like that. So we found a lot of opportunities there. And so when we came out of Uh, March or out of the first quarter, we performed pretty strongly. And, you know, as you know, we finished up last year north of six and a half percent. So I think it was probably a good reflection of of how we invest and, and how we think about the markets.
0: Great. And so as we sit here today, what do you see as the opportunities in the space currently and maybe in the near future?
1: Well, the biggest thing I think that we're seeing this year, we're continuing with a lot of mergers and acquisition activity. The bulk of what we're seeing on the credit side really has to do with, I would say, we've seen a lot of energy deals um, where we've seen some better capitalized, better credit profile companies acquiring companies that have lesser profiles. So we've seen those as refinancing opportunities or upgrade opportunities. And then um, other refinancings that have occurred in the market. This market has been wide open those types of things. So some of those refis are triggered by asset sales. I think the the more interesting thing that's happening in this market, everybody's talking about SPACs, and we're not involved in SPACs on the equity side. That's a totally different ballgame. But when there's a SPAC deal that's announced, meaning when they've announced an acquisition and they're going to take a company public through the SPAC, we look for those situations where they're going to use that transaction uh, to raise more capital and to refinance debt. And so those are really good situations for us. We've seen more than a few of those this year. And then another place that we've seen is the IPO market. Um, We've gone through, gosh, 10, 15 plus years of very few IPOs. The number of companies listed has declined. And now this year, we're seeing a lot of new IPOs and I'm not even talking about the SPAC type of IPOs, but other just uh, IPOs that uh, private equity maybe is bringing to market. And there are a couple of examples that we've been investing in there where the IPO proceeds will be used to, to refinance debt and the companies will raise more capital. So that's really what I'm seeing right now in the market, and that really allows us to just be to be steady uh, and to be conservative.
0: Great. Thank you, Greg. Well, is there anything else? That either you're thinking about with the markets today, or you think investors should be thinking about.
1: I'm still in a, in a in a place where I want to be conservative. I think the market is still trying to figure out this rates game, and there's definitely a tension between where equities are going and where bonds are going. And right now, I try to think about you know, can we get up to that two and a half percent on the ten year, or three percent on the ten year? And, and I think it's 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 realistic to to assume that. I still don't think some of the things in fixed income land offer a lot of attractiveness. So when I look at things like, I mean, just using the Barclays Ag for an example, I just looked at it this morning and, you know, the yield on that, and this is really representing longer duration, higher quality assets, but the yield to worst on that is about 1.5%, but the duration is still about six and a quarter years. So I don't know that you're being compensated for that. And so I think... Uh, investors should probably be thinking along the lines of shorter duration or or something that is kind of immune to these types of rates. So I keep that as my kind of backdrop where I don't want to get too aggressive. I want to make sure that I'm hedged on anything uh, with treasuries that might be longer duration. And that's really how I'm approaching it. So I'll continue to do that until uh, see reason to, to do otherwise.
0: All right, great. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time today.
1: My pleasure. No, it's great being here, Jen, and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. We've been speaking with Greg LaPree, Portfolio Manager of the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX. For those listening who may not be familiar with Water Island Capital, we are an asset management firm with a proven 20-year track record in event-driven strategies across public mutual funds, private investment vehicles, and our recently launched ETFs, allowing clients to choose the best format for their exposure. For more information on our funds, please visit our website, arbitragefunds.com, or call our resource desk at 800-560-8210.